Welcome to the round 15 episode of the Collingwood Rant. I'm Sly. And I'm Let Slip the Spooks of War. Spook. We are recording directly after our loss to Brisbane. So it's still, it's still hot. It's a still hot. It's a hot loss. It's a, they're probably doing the um, post-match wrap-up and shit like that while we're talking. And, you know, people are watching them. Instead we're, of doing, um, we're doing the post-wrap shit. Ah, oh, you're going to get the post-match rage. Going into this game, Spook. Yes. Out. Chris Main with a fractured face. <laughs> and Darcy Cameron just with a, dropped. With a, with a fractured career. In Levi Greenwood, which, you know, always love Levi back in the side. Yep. And Max Lynch, who's been touted to make his debut for a while. Yeah, when's that happening? Um, can I ask you a question? You can ask me several you, you're wearing headphones right now, right? No, so, I'm wearing yeah. headphones right now. You should probably just ease them a little bit off your ears. What the fuck is with this prong, two-pronged forward line of two ruckmen? It's hard <laughs> enough making one ruckman work. And it's like, hey, we'll play Cox. Okay, good. And we'll play Cameron. And when Cameron doesn't work out in this insane fucking system, let's go play a one-gamer. <laughs> This will fucking fix it. This is like the Victoria South Australia match where they play Dunstall and Lockett in the same forward line. It's Lynch and Cox. By fucking God, who is this scaring? I think the mullet was supposed to be the difference. That's the only thing I can, uh, can, can draw a conclusion on. However, you know, just in all seriousness, this does go back to the, uh, to the insanity of the selection panel. I have no problem with Max Lynch. I mean, it was a shocking debut, but... Uh, I don't but Max many... Lynch should have come in and Grundy should have been rested. But yeah. Grundy should have been rested is a statement that we've been making now for about five weeks and fucking hell, he goes out and proves it each week. Oh, he's looked, he's looked progressively terrible. Just progressively worse and worse each week today until about the last quarter, he really struggled. What's that, McInerney? I don't know, is he a footballer? He made... Grundy look terrible. And if you go through the list of Ruckman who've beaten Grundy this year, like Andrew Phillips at Essendon, uh, and there's a few other, you know, very less credentialed players. Yeah, Tip and Goody, uh, I think, beat him. <laughs> He's just, he looks terrible. And it's like, why they have not rested him at any stage is just derelict. It's absolutely fucking derelict. Selections tonight were derelict. They really, if you're going to go for like a semi-tall four line, they should have just thrown a Hail Mary and said, let's bring in Sharon Berg or let's even fucking bring Rusko back or bring in Nathan. Any fucking one. You know, the funny thing is you bring Max Lynch and you go, okay, well, I guess you'll do some relief rucking. Well, I guess I'm wrong. The only time he did relief rucking is when there was a stoppage anywhere near his area. It's just fucking insane. And this system that they're trying to make work is just the brainchild of brainless strategy. I just didn't feel good going into this game. And then when you see selections like that, it's like, okay, we're not going to feel good. We're going to fucking feel shit. Uh, in fairness, I'll put a bit of a qualifier on this. How much has this scheduling affected our performances? Because we look pretty flat for about two and a bit quarters. Um, oh, there's, there's no pretending it's it's not making um, or it's not having an impact. That, that's that's going to be an absolute. But however, there's a whole bunch of other sides in the same boat. 
Um, the the thing that came in today, and we talked about it a little bit last week, is the um, imbalance of it all. You've got us playing, what have we played, three games in 10 days or something ridiculous? We've There's, played four in 14. Eston's got three coming up in 11 days. And Brisbane so, had one game in 14 days or something like yeah. that? Yeah, it, it's not fair and equitable. However, though, um, Brisbane, they almost look like their season's done. They were, um, they fucking stopped in the, in the end. I think it was a lot of, a lot of that um, sort of uh, flattered us a little bit, but they stopped. Um, well, they had two players off. And well, yeah. They lost, they lost this, Harris Andrews and then Cox came into it because of, I, I guess Andrews went off. When you look at your average system, yeah, there are sides that come off a bye that, that, that do look a little bit skittish. Um, they just look like a side that really struggled. Um where they should be probably fresh. They just didn't, they had that run early and they, their, their pressure was manic and, and, and everything, every other tactic that's used every other week to beat us was there on display, but they, they ground to a halt, which surprised me. I thought they would have run over us with their, their fresher legs. That really surprised me. So again, where I'm probably going with this in a, in a, in a, a roundabout manner is, is that as much as it's impacted us, I think even the breaks impact sides too. It's, it's become, it's a fucking strange season, no matter which way you cut it. It's not strange. It's, it, I, what I really hate is you cannot pretend this is a even competition when you have so much inequities riddled throughout the fucking competition, ranging from draft academies where clubs are just storing best players so they don't go to the draft to fucking fixturing. Nice. Um, There's no notes. It's absolutely a balance. And then they run around going, okay, yeah, it's, we're, we're making it a fair competition. No, what the fuck? I'm just fuck making it a fair competition. Just make it like English soccer. The rich clubs do well. And if you're not rich, bad luck. I'm sorry, it's tough. But because this pretense that it is fair and balanced is just hypocrisy. And it really works as, as a detriment towards competitive sport. Uh, in about the first, I don't know, early in the second quarter, I mean, Luke Hodge probably should have just Went into our coaching box. He nailed it. He, he just said, you know, we looked really good in that first quarter when we were given space to run and we could use the ball and, you know, generate uh, some line breaking. But once Brisbane closed that up, we unraveled. I, I want to say that the pressure c- contributed to our breakdown in skills, but fuck, our skills don't really need that much pressure to break down. No. The amount of ankle breaking handballs and kicks that drop short and all and, and this is all endemic of what fucking we've seen at Collingwood since you know, we've talked about it before from 2013, 2017. This is what we saw constantly. We saw no, I, I know, I think to probably to be fair to that though, Brisbane had that Phillips bloke who was a match winner for him. Oh, unfortunately, he unfortunately he was wearing one of our jumpers. Well, talking about Phillips, so Phillips has looked terrible this whole year, yet he hasn't been dropped. Now he'll finally miss games of a hamstring injury. Well, I was going to say, I was, I was going to draw a little story to this. I don't know whether it'll work or not. Probably not. But you Probably know, not. every time that you've been drunk in your life and you've jumped into the back of the cab and there's a sense of familiarity to the seat cover on the back seat. Um, We're talking about Richmond players now. <laughs> I would suggest that if you wanted a marketing opportunity here, if you made a seat cover for the back of a taxi that wanted to smell like it was 10 years old and nothing had changed, you could put the pictures of Thomas, Elliot and Phillips on it and you'd be on a winner. You meant Hoskin Elliot. Hoskin Elliot, I mean. Yeah, did I mean... Uh, I didn't mean Elliot. You said Elliot. Yeah, well, Hoskin, Hoskin Elliot. Um, I've got a stutter, I'm sorry. But uh, those three, uh, and again, you know, they're, they're, they're permanent passengers at the moment. 
Oh, yeah, well, it's not really at the moment. It's like the last 18 months, you know. And well, that's the moment. That's at the moment. <laughs> we talk about hell, 2020. It's only happened. Uh, it only started two minutes ago, and it's already we, been going on for talk, nine months. We're talking about this uh, during the game. It, again, it's one of these games where you have too many non-contributors. I mean, Dake, I sort of came yep. into it later on, but he made quite a few errors. Oh, that's because he had which, the puff piece written this week. Yep. That's a common uh, staple. The, the two Browns, and particularly Callum, did some really average stuff. Chris tries to run, but, you know, I, I, Chris is one of these guys, he profits from the team doing well, but he's not going to be one of the ones who started doing well. And surprisingly, who are the guys that did that for us? John Noble. Great. Try to get some stuff happening. Um, Maynard. Seriously, this guy should be made vice captain next year behind Taylor uh, Adams him, as captain. Make, make him captain. I, I love the bloke. Yeah, fuck he's, he yeah. is. He is the only one at the moment that demonstrates any. Can I say um, that word that starts with C and ends in T? Um, you know, I look. Look. Let's stop. Just you know, let's stop. Stop sugarcoating it. Just say it right out. He shows some robo. He's got a lot of robo about him. He's, he's got an amazing amount of robo in him. He's got oh. more robo in him than robo does. I don't know if that's possible, but he has got quite a bit of Robbo. And and that you know, the the way he floored Mitch Robinson and and that was I mean probably the disappointing part about that is after the fact that the entire Brisbane squad jumped on him and he was like the Hulk. He sort of just flexed and they all flew off in all directions. It was about twenty minutes later that the uh, his teammates come in to to remonstrate. Yeah, there was a really good bit of play. I think it was the last quarter. I can't remember who the Brisbane guys. He, he fell on Noble and he stuck his forearm into Noble's face. I'm pretty sure it was Noble. And Chris just, uh, sorry, Chris Maynard just went up there and just grabbed the Brisbane guy and picked him up. And you could see, like, Maynard has explained, what the fuck are you doing putting your arm in his face? You need players like this because they make teammates stand taller and we just do not have enough of them. No. Levi Greenwood's another one who's got a lot of robo, but there are a lot of... Um, I don't know what's the right word. What was the word you used before? Jellybacks? Uh, <laughs> I couldn't believe you said it, but you know it could be right. Um, you way too many non-contributors. Then you had guys who were down, like Taylor Adams. Uh, wasn't that great? No, very, um, very um, well and truly stitched him up tonight. Yep. And, and I think, I think um, Fagan, I think on the, I did hear secondhand that on the radio interview that uh, Fagan said they were going to put a lot of work into Adams tonight. And uh, they certainly did. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, Adams has been really the driver of whatever form we've had in the last month. And they shut him out of it. Pendles tried. He faded for quite a bit. Let, let me just go um, to the forward line. Oh, that'd Here's be nice. Some, it, it, something deserves to go to the forward line. What, what have well, we got some, there? Some will actually make it there. What, I, I don't know. I'm going to start it because it's like, I, I, I watched this week in, week out for fucking, I don't know what, what is it, like two years? Even three? It's absolutely broken the way they move the ball in the forward line. And you'd think that somewhere along the line, even if the coaching staff didn't realise it, players themselves will go, I might have a look before I kick it. And it started really early with Callum Brown putting You're a funny to... man, Sly. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you're going to kill me last. Um, Callum Brown started it off with a real issue kick. Dacos did this nice scoop on half forward. And then he, again, he just, he, he's tried to center it, but he didn't center it to anyone in particular. And there was a lot of instances like, I know Cox will probably get criticism, but I reckon about 90% of the contests that Cox didn't impact were because the kicking was so shit. They just, 
totally missed him. He's, he's a six foot 10 guy, it's a nine foot target. And somehow you cannot sit the ball anywhere in his vicinity. Instead, you're constantly wrong footing him. And the fucking thing is, hey, he's not mobile. He's seven foot tall. Yeah, so you're no. going to need to put it in his vicinity. Otherwise, if you wrong foot him, he's out of it. It's absolutely bang on. Most of the delivery, I reckon 90% of the time took him out of the contest. It, it, yeah. it's, it's beyond poor. And this is stuff that just, again, it's, it's look, just to, to, to recap on the last six weeks, we've been shit. I think, I don't think we've ever hidden the fact that we've been shit. Um, I absolutely was stunned by the masses belief that two good quarters against the, the team sitting 12th was going to be the turnaround point um, this week. But, but still- by God, Spook, Carlton were coming off a victory oh, like their first in four weeks. It, it just um, it just boggles the mind that um, the expectation that everything was just magically fixed. I mean, it's still cactus. The hail mary delivery into the forward line. It's just putrid to watch, and it's just um, you, you sit there and you you know. Granted, we had half a good game last week, and you know it was in it was a joy to watch, but fuck, today was just it, it was just you know what what did um, Eminem sing? Well, bang, here comes gravity. There's reality or whatever the fuck it, he, he said. But it just was it was a smack back to the ground. Now look, they they had a spirited end of the game, which was which was nice okay, to let, see. But, but let, let me go to that for a second, sorry. And this is the thing that really shoots me, and this is what I think people need to extrapolate from what they see week in, week out for the last nine years. You have this absolute breakdown in system constantly. So you get this sporadic effort. And just when you think they're starting to put something together, some skill error or uh, decision will totally set unravel they'll fall back by a couple of goals and then they'll have a spirited effort. And the thing of that spirited effort, it's got nothing to do with system. All it's got to do with is obviously Buckley saying, Hey, we need more from you. You need to put in more. We need to lift your intensity. And that's what they do. It's really just generating manic intensity, which is unsustainable over, you know, whatever however long games are week in, week out. And this is the really frustrating thing. You'd hope, you get back into games through strategy not through lifting manic intensity um which you can't just produce or maintain there it's insane and and fuck i'm sick of watching it it's like we're under buckley they're really screwed at the sides great they love playing for him fantastic but get some fucking system happening finally no sorry did i cut you off sorry no no totally agree what did i break your concentration (laughs) What film was that from? Oh, Say that's, what again? That's it, yeah. Uh, Samuel Jackson. Um, Did you see... Yeah, uh, things like um, Noble, who I really thought, okay, he's a problematic player, but like he's really doing a lot for us. Quaino shows how important yep. he is, Maynard. You really need then more couldn't get into the game. They threw him up forward, but like I, I said to you at the time too, as we watched this in a downtown pub, that it's not going to work because you're not delivering it to him with any efficiency. And we saw that. No, just took and, him out of the game. Yep. And there was a couple of times on the footage, and again, it's always hard to tell on the TV, but they showed him, you know, breaking his appointment and, and, and sort of leading. And then the camera cut back to that wide angle and the ball just sailed over to Cox. And you think, well, they've ignored his leads. He's the yeah. only bloke who looks like he's, he's absolutely capable of, of shaking his opponent and, and getting into space. And they don't even go looking for him. They're, they're just so comfortable doing these blind bombs. It does your head in. And even then, again, look, just to, to harp on the same thing over and over again, yeah, 
Cox is like the World Trade Centers, except when they're up. But how you miss him is just a staggering thing. It's just incredible that you do it so consistently. It really feels like they kick the position rather than respond to what's in front of them. And the, and the thing know, is too, like it, he, as you said before, he's caught flat-footed. He's never on the lead or anything. He's never running with his arms stretched out and adding another 20 kilometres in front. He's stepping backwards or he's trying to hold his ground. He's an easy target when they kick like that. And if it doesn't sail over his feet, it fucking goes somewhere else. It goes into a well, portal somewhere. I'm sure there's some small furry aliens kicking it around before it comes back into R450. Well, it's interesting that Cox had that, I don't know if it's true, but they had that article that said, you know, because he played a game, it triggered a contract extension, um, which is a clause in his existing contract. So I imagine a guy like that is under a lot of pressure. And you look at him, he's an American guy in Melbourne during a time of a pandemic. It's like an American wheel in London. Yeah, you know, and he's really trying to make this fucking thing work for him, you know, because he's put off an engineering degree or a job, you know, to make a go of Australian rules football. There's a few times I, I reckon where I saw him today, he just turned around, he, had, he just glared at players like, how the fuck can you not hit me on, on the chest or put the ball out in front of me? He really at times looked quite pissed off with some of the, and I don't blame him. And I, I'm actually glad to bloody see that because, again, how long has this been going on? How long do we endure it for when does it actually change these are all questions we asked five years ago and now we're in 2020 and there's no hindsight we're just still doing the same shit and it was funny actually if Buckley talking um at halftime not that i listened to a lot of what they're babbling about but he was saying you know they got a lot of their goals from our errors and if we can fix that up then we'll be okay well you didn't fix it and it's just did again he, emblematic he, of what we've seen constantly. Did he did he have an Abacus in front of him at the time? Was he just flinging the beads around like a madman coming up with that equation? Oh, it, it's you know it, it's staggering that we really don't get any I don't, any strategy that you can watch and say this is what they're no. doing and this is how it's working or not working it's just the same shit for nine years we we, we have a 50 percent strategy i think defensively we we, we are we're doing reasonably well if, if not um very good yeah even um our the the ranch um new love child this week is is, is uh is madge oh, madge was great madge and nobs were just absolutely you know the last line of defense and we're just holding up more often than they uh, they let it through um well even though that we were we, we had that patch there where we were diabolical but you know and, and quainor had that run until he was quelched but the, the thing is it, it's you, you work hard you deliver the ball out of defense with pinpoint accuracy you hit a guy on the wing who starts running and as soon as they get past the the wing and hit that um half forward flank it's like it just turns to absolute shit they just drop the eyes they look at their feet and they just close their eyes and just bomb it and it's rinse repeat the whole game it's absolutely fucking heartbreaking to watch yeah you know what else is heartbreaking uh heartbreaking his hotel is, no his name is Jaden stevenson fuck me he uh, made a really good to all the people who criticized him being dropped for two weeks he made a really good argument as to why he'd been dropped for two weeks tonight. And I was getting messages from friends just saying, geez, he looks ginger. What, what's wrong with him? Wish or any, wish we knew what the fuck is going on with Jaden Stevenson. He's as soft as a marshmallow at the moment. Yeah. yeah but and he's, just, he's just, just not even a fucking patch on, on that wonder we saw in 2018. I think we, we cover this nearly every week. 
and you know you can only go back to the um the glandular excuse for so long but fuck something is massively broken there his efforts well, tonight were terrible. What did he, what did he finish with? About six or seven touches? Eight possessions. Eight possessions, two kicks. One of them was, what, well, his first was late in the last quarter. Uh, six handles. Is, is, there a, is there a stat for kicks up the arse? He would have been leading comp in that. Well, I'm really curious. I mean, there's, not, there's quite a few players. I mean, Brody Mychek's another one of our loved children, and he's really looked diabolical. Uh, it's probably that Hawthorne game. He's really struggled. And but that's, that's, that's also, we've had some... Part, part of it's delivery and shit, but... but it's also the, the fact that fucking every week the Ford line's a different entity. How does he play a role? He's only ever going to be the third tall, really. Yeah, and he's going to third tall. As soon as you bring Cox in, you take him out of the game. As soon as you bring fucking Lynch in, you take whatever it is we had out of the game. Cameron, I mean, fucking... Cameron and, and, and Lynch in the last couple of weeks have contributed about three possessions to, to, to the game. It's... It's just not good enough. And it's broken. Not that we have a fucking structure there, but you're breaking the unbreakable to another point. And it's, it's just driven him to fucking no man's land. Well, the commentary made it a point that a few times that Cox did get his hands to it. They had no one front and square to crumb the ball. No, and so, there was never a crumb up to And that was the frustrating thing that, yeah, even if he brings it to the ground, there's nobody waiting there. I mean, they made the move and I made the comment to you about, you know, that, that um, Elliot was just, you know, I think he was sitting on about five possessions at half time, but his manic fucking intensity was there on display. If you want to take that unharnessed, unbridled fucking chaotic energy, throw him down forward and see what he's capable of. If he's got that much fucking pent up running him, let him sit at the feet of some players. He could have fucking engineered a goal or two. And he ended up with one when they finally did move him down there. But fuck. But see, another problem is here. The selections they made totally compromised their ability to improvise. So you've got, what? You, you technically got four Ruckman in that side between Grundy, uh, Cox, Lynch and Moore. Now and Moore's Noble. covering himself. Sorry? And Noble. No. And... If you're going to move players out of that defense, uh, sorry, out of that four line to go a little bit smaller, what do you do with these, you know, 200 centimeter guys? Where do they go? You can't just put them on the wing. They're not going to be able to perform there. So you totally hamstring yourself, which is ironic at Colony, but <laughs> in terms of what you can do with innovation, because you're too tall, and those guys are one or two position players. They can either be the ruck or they can be the deep forward. Now you got to get two of them moving up into the play and that's just handicapping the side because you're losing uh, run and linkage. So that's another stupidity behind the choice. You know, and it's not just picking Lynch today. I was also picking Cameron the other week and that's in tandem with Cox. I mean, I remember Essendon in 2011, they tried to make these free rucks work with um, Bell Chambers and I can't remember it was Hill and I can't remember the other one was. You just can't go too tall. And especially if your skills are that appalling that, you know what, you're not actually putting it out there to mark. Any final thoughts about this shitty game, which made me, I want to say I'm apathetic, but geez, you watch it, it's just like, God, you know, I'd rather just bang my head on the door for about two hours and see. It it wasn't a great, it's not a great spectacle. Yeah, you know, again, it's a low-scoring fucking slugfest. Like, it, you know, the first quarter wasn't too bad. Both sides were, were ramping up the pressure. It was hard to score. And, you know, it wasn't too bad to, to look at. But then it sort of just plummeted off a cliff after that. And we... we look, there's no way we're going to sustain that for, for four quarters. You know, we were ultimately going to tire. I mean, so I'm still fucking shocked Brisbane tired. 
But um, it's just overall not a great game to, to look at. And, you know, the umpiring is just oh. fucking haphazard to the, to the shit out. You don't know what you're going to get. There's no constancy in the rules. That deliberate against uh, Dacos in the last oh, quarter. Seriously. I mean, what, what, why would you push it out of bounds deliberately at that point? You were fighting to hopefully get another goal with a couple of minutes to go. What advantage would you have in pushing the ball out? He was there to try and keep it in. And as it turns out, it come off... Um, Neil's uh, foot. Yeah, Neil's foot at any rate. And somehow... He's but it's dead. exactly what he did against Sydney a month ago. He, he paddled it forward on the boundary line and then ran onto it. So it's exactly what he tried. It's just It's intense ridiculous. to keep it in. I don't know how you infringe someone against that. It's just staggering. But that shows you the, the stupidity of the deliberate rule. It's just like, well, if you tap it or kick it or handball it and it goes out and you don't have a teammate within a couple of metres, that must mean you deliberately won it out. There's no... No one, no one actually looks at those sort of instances and goes, well, this is what I believe they were trying. They just look at, well, he's tapped it out and there was no teammate there, so he must have deliberately went for the boundary. And there was quite a few fucking really bad free kicks. Um, you know, there was even one with Cox at the end there, uh, about halfway through the last quarter, where he double grabbed for a mark. I don't know who the Brisbane defender was. When Cox was going for the second grab, the Brisbane defender just bumped him chest on. And that, if that that's should have been a mark. And you have a marking contest, yeah. that's, that's, that's front on. He's controlled the ball. He's taken the second thing. And if that guy wasn't there, there's no way he would have dropped it. It was just that impact. And that guy's impact with the back of his head wasn't deliberate and attempt to spoil. It was just bad luck. That should have been a mark every day of the week. It's just, but there's so, you don't know what you're getting. There's dropping the balls where you think, okay, why is that one paid? And then, I don't know, 30 seconds later, the exact same thing happens. It's like, well, that, that one gives you a different result. And they do this so often. You watch quarter in, quarter out, game in, game out, and the rules have absolutely no consistency in their application. And, you know, fuck, we had, who was that umpire? Brett Rosebury, whatever Rose, the fuck Rose, his name is. Rosenbaum. I, I think, it, was he the one yeah. who didn't play the block to Maynard in 218? Probably. Not that I'm holding a grudge, but... Um, I, I, it's a really sickening spectacle. And I said this to you earlier too. I don't know any other industry where people can make so many mistakes and yet they keep their jobs. And I'm not even going to blame the umpires. This comes from higher up because the umpires are given mandates as to what they need to umpire, what the rules are, what the interpretations are. And it just changes from game to game. It always changes. So the owner should fall on whoever's in charge of his shit fest and it should be corrected. Uh all right, shall we move uh, on to the, to the next bit? I think, is it, are we going to revisit anything here? We had enough? I've had uh, enough. Had oh, enough. The, well, we're, we're moving on to medium aphidic. It's returned for, fucking, I don't know, first time in 84 years. We can't just fall into it. We have to have some sort of throw so I can do that stupid jingle. Next, medium aphidic. <laughs> no, you lost the moment now. Welcome to Media McFitty. Oh, good. I've, uh, I've missed this. Where's it been? Hiding under a rock? Uh, there's a really... Uh, it's ironic because, you know, we had problems up forward today. There was an article about how Collingwood effectively traded out of picking Jake Riccardi and took E. Roscoe instead. Yep, read that. Because, obviously, if there's two bright prospects out there, you only want one of them. That's the logic. You Out of curiosity, best, you take the best available at Collingwood, and we obviously thought Roscoe was the best available. I'm, I, and I'm, I'm going to get angry about this one too. I, I went and looked at all these players up, and I, I can't comment on Rantel or Bianca because I haven't seen them at all. Rus, Roscoe looks promising. Uh, Trey Roscoe is listed as 190 centimeters and 90 kilograms. 
Jay Rantel's listed at 184 centimetres, 82 kilograms. Um, Trent Bianco is listed as 178 centimetres and 70 kilograms. Jake Riccardi is listed at 195 centimetres and 92 kilograms. So he's effectively already got the right size to play. I don't watch the GWS games, but people are telling me he's doing really well. Why the fuck wouldn't you try and take both? Just like the taco head. It's... Okay. Maybe we should get her in charge of recruiting. Uh, this, this is negligent by the fucking club in terms of their list management. Who the fuck thought that we should give Ben Reid another year because his body might come good? The same guy will make that decision at the end of this year. Well, I, 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 he's 31. He's going to be 32 next year. So he was 30 when, you know, Hang on, is that, do, you, do you measure his age in years or number of hamstring strains? Oh, in soft tissue scarring. There are about four players on that list that I could quite happily chop. I'm not talking about the rookie list. You no, know, guys only, like Green Henry. Only four. And, uh, yeah, you're getting, you're getting I'm, soft, I'm, old man. I'm just talking about to make space for Riccardi. Okay, and I'll look at it this way too. So you have guys like Varco and Greenwood and Maine um, who are in their 30s. And then you have guys like Pendleberry and Howe and Sidebottom and Roughhead behind them. You need to stagger their departures. You can't have them all go at once. So surely last year they should have made a choice and said, well, you know what? Ben Reid and Varco are the two to go for this year. And then we bring on some youth. <laughs> that would have been the logical thing. And then going into this year, you would have said, okay, Maine might be the next one. And you probably also keep a bit of a spot open because you just don't know what will happen in regards to, you know, when they're, when they're 30 years of age, they might start having chronic injuries or some shit. How we could not have made space to bring in a key forward into a fucking list, which is totally bereft of key position prospects outside of Jake Kelly. I, I don't know. Can someone, uh, sorry, not Jake Kelly. <laughs> what is Will his Kelly. first name? Fuck Will. Will. Yeah, Will. Sorry, I don't know where I got. Jake's his brother. No. no. Um, but how you could not have made space for another key position prospect. I mean, they used all these picks on guys like Galt and Jonathan Marsh and they're going for the international rookies like, you know, Coxie. Why not make the fucking space for Riccardi? He's exactly what you need. Yep. So, I don't know. It's, you know, I've used the word derelict a few times, but I think that list management is appalling. And, you know, he went at, what, pick 55 or something? It's a, at some point. I mean, seriously, you've got to call it on this fucking best available shit. There, is, there are needs there to be filled. You can't just then come up to your pick and say, well, the, the need's gone or what we thought was the need's gone. Let's just go for whoever's best now, which will invariably be a fucking other midfield prospect. It, it's biting us on the ass. And again, it just comes down to the where we, we seriously overrate the list and what it's capable of. We're, we're not doing anything now to, to fix it well enough. And this is, they, what, they, again... They have a... Uh... We they have a money ball approach. Yeah, well, they, they it's, it's not worked. So this is where you need to go back to the to the draft, which is I've been harping about, and start doing that mini rebuild. You've still got a core there that, that can be good. There's a lot of young blokes there that have um, ability. There's a lot of, uh, enough mid-tier players to, to... You could only take some pain for a couple of years and then have another fucking relaunch. But you're not going to do it on the back of the, the ageing decrepits that we keep thinking are going to fucking come good. 
but in regards to this, I mean, this is, you know, no offense to Ben Reid, he was a champion in his time, yeah. but given, <laughs> given his injury issues throughout the last four or five years, why the fuck would you think, hey, at 31, 32, he'll come good? Even as a break glass in case of emergency prospect, you know, when he broke down, what, in his second game back, was anyone surprised? <laughs> I think you expected it. Well, you did. You just, you know, you went off and you just, you know, they go, oh, Ben Reid's on, on the boundary now. And it's like, yeah, okay, well, that's probably a game later than I thought it would happen. Yeah. Why would you keep that spot occupied with a 30-year-old? And, and this is not like, you know, this is not a guy who was playing pretty much every game for the last nine years and then had one bad season with injury. This is a guy who has a hospital wing named after him, yeah. you know, for the last five years because he's had such soft tissue problems. I think it's criminal that they didn't bring Jake Riccardi in or just that they didn't say, fuck it, we're not really going to get anything out of Reid this year. So you might as well just use that pick on anyone. As a, Go get another fucking midfielder. Just use that pick on anyone to bring some possible spark for the future. But hey, you know, this list and that management, I don't know. I don't, it's, it's amazing that when you get back to 206, we recruited a spy and we drafted a spy and we've um, Reed Brown and Dawes and we had John Anthony there and, and Travis Cloak there. So we obviously rated it at some point, but this shit that they're doing now and no offense to Trent Bianco, 178 centimeters. Do we need so many smaller guys on this list? We seem to have a fixation on these John Noble types who are going to provide run and dash out of defense. Okay, great. We've got a few of them now. Do we still need more of them? Apparently we do. Uh, as you mentioned before, fluff piece and jocks, Josh Davis' improvement, increasing quality of his positions in shortened games. Um, Nathan Buckley said a few things I thought were just fucking stupid in relation to Josh Davis up to this point. Uh, he said like he's, he's gained a step in terms of the game, so he's making better choices with his disposal. I was thinking, you know, I actually didn't really see that he was that bad last year. I thought he got... What's the right word? Uh... I thought he got scapegoated a couple of times in losses against, you know, Hall for the North where we just got smashed and he got dropped. It's like, I don't think he was the problem. I think mm. he had about 15 guys with the issue. So I was actually surprised by Buckley's perception of him. Again, I don't know what's happening internally. So maybe they're spot on. It would be a nice um, change. Fluff piece about Isaac Quaynor talking about how defense comes easy to win. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> it's amazing. It, it was, um, it, I, mean, I mean, did you have 58? I think he was talking about that his grandfather served in the Second World War on the defensive lines. Um, it was just an amazing link. I just, you know, it, the thing that amazes me, and this goes into the next couple of things I'm going to say, I didn't say it because I don't watch AFL free shitty, but you said Jared Watley and Slobo declared that we were back last week. And then Wayne Carey also wrote an article that, you know, we seem to have rediscovered our mojo. mojo. On the back um, of one half of footy against the 12th place side, it just doesn't make sense to me. But this is the, just how shallow the media report. Everything changes week to week. It's just farcical. You, you just, you're not even papering over the cracks. You've got to look at these things um, objectively. And none of that happens. It's just, you're only as good as your last game. You're only as good now as your last half a game. You're only as good as that moment that won you a game. And then suddenly you're back in contention. 
it doesn't make sense. We're out of we're out of the four now. Um, no chance to make the four, and we're. I mean, we'll probably. Um, we do have a chance if COVID strikes like <laughs> seven teams. So we, we, we're, we're probably half a chance to beat Gold Coast because they're patchy. Um, you it can absolutely guarantee that the AFL will make us play Port Adelaide over there and they'll give us a bit of a massive touch-up. So if we hold on to eighth, it'll be eighth. Hold on yeah. to the eighth, it'll be eighth. That should have been my statement. And again, it goes back to, look, if you can't fucking win the thing, what's the point in even considering that to be a victory at this point? Oh, I'm sure they'll talk about experience in the players and, look, and all that sort of shit. Just I'm going to back up because we're medium aphidic here. Jay Clark, who, let's be frank, is the mouthpiece of the Collingwood Football Club. He's told what to write at times, I'm sure. Um, had that piece, which was an excuse-ridden piece about um, the draw and, and everything. You're reading that, and if you're a cynical old prick like me, you're going, that is just perfectly timed because we lose today or we fail to do whatever they, if we fail to win a flag this year because the club's delusional to probably think that we can, you can point back to that moment and say, that's the perfect piece that gives you an out on so many levels. And you're already now starting to think about the excuses as to why you couldn't achieve anything this year. It's just a staggeringly timed piece. And we've done this before, I reckon. No doubt at all that we've had these things, these little articles lined up, ready as a justification piece. And it, it sort of annoys you now to, to read that sort of stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, I think this club has a victim mentality. If you look at the, if you look at all the grand finals of last, you know, last... Oh, there's always last a moment. Eight. There's always a moment. There's Maynard got blocked um, in 218. Was... The Rocker non-goal. The rocket the goals, you know, to Bill Carmel being rubbed out. Yeah, you know, there's always something. Rocker being rubbed out. Uh, uh, Jason Cloak being rubbed out. You know, and in two eleven, it was all the Malthouse succession plan. Although that seems that really the fuck him over, but again, you created that situation. But the thing is, you, you have this victim mentality of if you have the excuse ready, it gives everyone out as to say, okay, it's not that we lost because we weren't good enough. We lost because this happened. You know, and credit to Buckley after we lost 18, he said we just weren't good enough, which was, I, I thought was probably the best thing I've seen at the club outside of the flags in my whole time following it. To actually see the coach just go, we're not good enough. was yeah, fucking two, a nice change. And two um, years later, what have we done to rectify that? But, but, and that's the point, you know. But the, the way this club perceives itself, it, it just, it seems to coddle itself in reasons to excuse failure and to say well it wasn't us it was this and you know what it is you it's just fuck it if you, if you don't win you're not good enough that's what sport generally will come down to and that's sort of again i'm reading that thinking that that's your launching platform to look i haven't shied away from the fact that i think you know look it wouldn't hurt to make a, a change at a coaching level next year um you know what you haven't told me this if you um, if you haven't cracked it by now, I'm sure year ten will be the one that you'll do it in. But they'll now internally, I have no doubt, think that on eighteen and making the prelim in nineteen, they still think they're close, and they'll just look at this year as an aberration based on things like that's in that article. And let's just wipe it from existence, and we'll pick up and we'll win the flag next year instead. 
And I just don't think that the way that we structure now, the way that we function now, and the way that we make decisions now and do things now is going to change all that much next year. If anything, it's going to probably get worse. So if you're looking at that, you think really, again, what's the point? You know, why not make that change? Launching you, you could be back up and running in a couple of years time. But I'm sure we'll drag this out for as long as we possibly can. We'll, we'll end up with some sort of fucking wonderfully clean exit for the coach to, to have him held in high regards. Um, and the, the, everything will come too late then. Grundy will be 38 years old. Um, Tom, Tomo Thompson, what's his name? Um, who's that little number 24? Josh Thomas. Josh Thomas, that's him. He'll, he'll, have, uh, he'll be captain coach for, for the next 10 years. It's just like we'll we'll always do what we do well, which is act way too late. You know, out of curiosity, if you look at, let's say, look at Alice. Are we, Marks, are we finished yeah. with Mephitic, by the way? No, I've got one thing to mention about Channel 7. Um, shocking. Well, I hope, I hope this you, involves the terms buffoons. Yeah. If you look at someone like Alistair Clarkson and, you know, people are looking and going, hey, he's gettable at Hawthorne or, you know, they're talking about GWS should go get him or whatever the case. You look at Ross Lyon toward the end of his run to Kilda or at the very end of his, uh, his run to Kilda, Fremantle poached him. There's never any talk of any club sort of going, hey, let's go get Buckley as coach. There's never any fret about his position. He's, he's the There's never any query like, you know, Ross Lyon left St Kilda because he wasn't going to get security there. But with Buckley, even though he's on these two-year deals, there's never any feeling like, oh, well, those two years will just be the two years. Well, so, yeah, even even um, Robbo wrote that article saying that he believes he's still capable of coaching, even if that um, severing is made somewhere else. But you don't hear anyone talking about, geez, it'd be a wonderful fit for us. So I'm sure, look, you know, the opportunity was there. He may get snapped up. And probably for him, it'd be a fucking good thing to get out of Collingwood. I think it'd be a great thing for him to get out of Collingwood. And I think it'd be a great thing for Collingwood for him to get out and also a whole bunch of other people. Because as I said, everything I think is wrong with Collingwood is Collingwood itself. This club needs to break itself and, and reinvent itself anew because the old ways are old ways for a reason. Nothing's changing we're stagnant, we're treading water, we have these freakish years where something goes right, and then we do our best to break it right afterwards. It's if I have a couple of criticisms of the 2010 Premiership team, now that you brought it be, up, it would be the lack of leadership in that side. Uh, you know, Maxwell was a great leader, but I remember even when he was appointed captain, everyone's going, well, Nick Maxwell, you know, it's not even really a guarantee to be starting 18. But we learned that he was chosen because he was a great leader or he's a great leader. Uh, you have Pendles who's become captain or became captain after him. And I don't know. Probably the longest serving captain soon too. Yeah. Isn't he? But you had a lack of leadership within that side. You really saw it in the grand final, the draw, it, it fell apart and there weren't a lot of players sort of putting their hand up and going, Hey, don't worry. Or, you know, trying to steady people. It, the other thing that really lacked that side was it just had a total lack of Robbo in it. There was only a couple of players who had Robbo in them, like Travis Cloak was one. Um, I think, you know, Lumumba had some uh, some Robbo in him to an extent. He's got a lot of Robbo in him there. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a... It, it lacked that Robbo of the Hawthorne Premiership sides. 
the Hawthorne Premiership sides just had it in spades. When they went oh, out there, you know, you knew was, that they were, if they, they could were, run into you, they would run into you. There was lines of Robbo. Yeah, and you look at like, and this, this is funny because I think in about the last, I don't know, 30 years, this has been common to Collingwood sides. You look at what Brisbane did to us. They're a young side and they were trying to bully us. Yep. And the only, as we spoke about earlier, the only guy that really stood up to them was, um, you know, Maynard. And that, I think, you can get Robbo and leadership intertwined where you want players who are going to stand up and go, okay, that's not on against opposition and going to make their teammates feel a lot taller. I mean, Anthony Rocker was really good at that also. Yep. Lee Brown was really good at that. Yeah, you know, if you go back to... If I go back to the 1990 side, it was full of robos. It yep. had great robos in it, you know. And you see that the way they hit Essendon really hard in that grand final, and and then even when one of their best Collingwood's best players got knocked out, even Matthews, the coach, had a lot of robo in him. He was swearing at Terry Danaher, you know, he's going to, you know, Brown's going to be back. He's going to knock the robo out of him. He said, "Yeah, yeah, you know, he's going, he's coming for you. He's coming for you." And you look at the way they played that in that second quarter, like they had complete focus. They didn't play the man, but they had mongrel of intent. And that's where they pretty much sealed the game. This side just lacks total robber. And if I was like in charge, I'd be saying, you know what, when we draft players, can we get some robos in the side? And can we get some leaders? Because these are two things that are in complete absence at this club. And when things go to shit, I want to see those guys stand up because the problem is, when things are going to shit, all we're seeing is capitulation from the bulk of players. And it's like you pointed out before, the Robinson-Maynard uh, interaction. Maynard was the only one. And Taylor Adams is the one who's, who's got the Robbo. But you'd, if I was coach, I'd be saying, you know what, fuck, I'll give up the goal. I want the whole team just to run down there and just to show them this isn't on. Yeah, smack, the, smack the Robbo out of each other. Smack the Robbo out of Robinson. That's it. Uh, Mitch Robinson. Yeah, so that's what I'd really like to see. Uh, and just my final thing for Medium Mephitic, which was just something added tonight. I think it was in the third quarter that Channel 7 decided that a really good camera angle would be, I don't know, about three metres behind. Fucking hell. 30 metres behind the goal. Did you lose sight of the ball? I'm sitting there going, I had no fucking idea what I was watching. It was seriously, you know, like um, at the end of Titanic when they're standing on the, the bow of the ship and it's up in the fucking air and you're just looking down, you don't know what the fuck's down there. That what, was why do you keep going back to the end of the 2018 grand final? <laughs> it was like, it was one of those cutaways where you're just sort of going, okay, you're giving us some perspective. Jump back, jump back, jump back, jump the fuck back in. And they didn't do it. They didn't do it for quite a while. It was like really insane camera angle choice. And I can only assume at the time that maybe something broke because if it was like, if channel seven was filming the end of the Titanic, you would have seen Rose and, uh, and uh, Jack um, riding the ship down. Then they would have cut to an empty beach in Hawaii. And then when they would have come back, there would have been just like calm motion. Uh, if you, if they Charles haven't filmed the end of Titanic, you'd you'd see fucking Brian Taylor just waving his way through the bloody passengers, just going, "How do you feel about the ship sinking here? It's a little bit cold that water, isn't it? They just have roaming Brian there. We could have, have one, we could have just Bruce just going around going, "Well, there's not much hope for them now, is they? Where are they? <laughs> oh, the iceberg. Oh, oh, is it gonna hit? Yes, it is. Um, oh, who else but the berg?" <laughs> Uh, we should be running Channel Seven. Um, Someone, yeah that 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 was <laughs> that was seriously an amazing choice. I, I was going to say um, 
Thank you to the pandemic for stopping all the post-match, pre-match, in the change room shit that Channel 7 delighted in giving us. If there's one good thing to come out of this pandemic, it's that. Uh, and that's it for Medium Mephitic. That was worth a wait. Yeah. Uh, match preview. We don't play for two weeks. Uh, well, um, would you, would, would Collingwood versus the buyer, who do you think will win and why? Uh, I reckon we'll get a few injuries, so that's my concern. Um, so it is, as the time, at the time of recording this, it's September 4th. We don't play for 10 days. Um, the nuclear waste left on the other side of the moon has blown it out of orbit. Uh, it's, so we, don't, we play Monday night, 7.10. Uh, I looked up, because I'm you know, such a great researcher, I looked up what the Suns will be doing. They're coming off a five-day break, and they'll be playing Brisbane. So I've actually hoped that when you look at that, that Suns and Brisbane will really batter each other senseless and we'll have a pretty flat Suns to contend with. That's if you want to win. You obviously don't. You'd rather we just batter ourselves senseless. Oh, look, I, I, have, no, I have no say in it. Logically and you know, unobjectively, I look at it that way. But um, I, think, I think they'll beat, as I said before, I think they'll beat the Suns, probably just, uh, and then they'll get their asses handed to them uh, by Port, which means that we'll stay in the eight. So what changes do you make? So Phillips did a hamstring, so that's probably two weeks, two to, two to ten weeks. Uh, may not have the corky, that's probably about 15 weeks at Collingwood. Yeah, that's season done. Season done. Uh, Phillips they, did the hammy, didn't he? Did you say that? Yeah, yeah, I said Phillips did the hammy, so that's about two to four weeks. Well, he's probably improved um, Collingwood that way. <laughs> Who would you bring in? I mean, Bianca and Rantel, I don't know how they're not getting a look in. Um, or you should, you should bring up Murphy like every other week. Yeah, okay, bring in Murphy. I, I, look, I, I I think it's a shame the way Sharon Dirks has fallen out of favour. I, again, I don't know what the fuck's going on behind the scenes. He, you know, there might be other issues. That know either. Um, but I'd hope that the 10-day break freshens up Grundy because he seriously looked appalling this, well, you know, season. the last eight weeks, eight, 10 weeks. And they really should have just bit the bullet at some point and just said, we're going to fucking rest you. Or if we're not going to rest you, you know what? We're probably going to play you 20% ruck in this game and we'll let Coxie do 80% of the ruck or fucking whatever. It defies logic why that hasn't happened the last couple of weeks. No, I think about the last six weeks. You've played some average sides. You could have rested him for a couple of weeks, had him come back for a couple of weeks and then gone into the bye. But yeah. you just keep playing him like something miraculous is going to happen. It's like asking Cliff Young that if you do six marathons in a row, you'll get better at it, the seventh one. Yeah, and he's there's a couple of times actually uh, I neglected to mention. There's a couple of times I saw him not very far away from the ball, but like you could see he just had no energy. It was, it was like the criticisms of early Anthony Rocker where he just had no endurance to run to the next contest. HR Huff and Puff. Yeah, you know, there's that one against, I think it was against Port in about 2000 where... He was about two metres away from a congestion and he just had his hands on his hips and he was puffing and the, and the ball was still alive. Uh, but he, there was a few times of the night where I just thought he really is struggling. And, you know, credit to him because this is the athlete he is. He obviously just keeps digging deep to try and find more. But, geez, there's only so many times you can go to the well without, you know, draining it or running it dry. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, uh, spook. Uh, no, no, no. I don't think we're um, we're going to bother doing a uh, 
a, uh, a buy special or anything like that. Oh, that's a bit controversial. Um, so um, we'll what? We'll take the week off. We'll uh, put our feet up. Ah, we'll, get we'll work something out. We'll get together at a few pubs and have a few beers, a few laughs, and then we yep. wake up. Um, so um, here we are. There we are, and we've got what two games left to go. I don't. I, I don't know if that don't make much. I think there's a little bit of innuendo going there with that. What they? It's, it's, uh, it's the, it's the, no, no, just um, going to a pub, having a few drinks and then waking up. How, how lucky do you think you're getting? Actually, I'd, I'd fucking give anything to go to the pub and then just wake up one day. Um, but anyway, so, um, yeah, there's nothing to talk about in terms of uh, looking forward to the Gold Coast. I suppose the rest will do as well. Um, Phillips being out will do as well. Who fucking knows who will bring in? The, the forward line will go through its 98 iteration that game, so... More I think the there's a really thanks. good chance they'll they'll drop Lynch and bring in um, Cameron. Oh, that'd be and that'll be it. That'll shake things up a bit. Or they'll drop um, Lynch and they'll go. You know what? Let's try Lyndon Dunn as a forward. He's due. Uh, let's, he, let's, played, let's, he played. He uh, played forward in Melbourne and you know in about 2008. Let's cast the crystal ball towards Collingwood. You know that they'll bring in um, Dugowie, and he'll do his ACL. Well, it is calling good, but an ACL would be mild. <laughs> to get out of jail free card, really, these days. Well, really, if you're going to project, still side bottom, he's trying to get back for the finals. So he's got to come from Melbourne. So he'll get infected with COVID and bring it to the whole squad. Well, I've heard that his wife's only about four months pregnant, too. So what do you <laughs> leave? I mean, uh, she's, uh, she's in the longest labour I've ever heard. I'm in the longest labour waiting for his side to fucking deliver. I think um, all he's done when he's, since he's got home is ball hot towels. And then just what, wander the streets? Yeah. Anyway, that's it from us. I think it's certainly uh, uh Follow, like, subscribe, all that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, find us on our Facebook page and we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks. Yep, yep. Let's uh, let's see where the chips fall. All right, enjoy your uh, enjoy your bye weekend. I hope there's not too much bye activity going on. Enjoy your uh, weekend. Bye. Uh, we can't do anything because we're stuck at fucking home. Yeah, you know who's to blame for that. Anyway, yeah. well, you'll hear from us in about ten days. Oh, I bet you later. Catch. <laughs>